Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soccer Open, a podcast about football, which we lovingly call soccer here in the States. Um, I'm your host, Josh Reynolds, and I'm here with Marcella Kame. Hey everyone, I'm Marcella Kame, and uh, I'm excited to do this this podcast. Yeah, no, talk. this this has been a long time making. Uh, and today's episode is the big fat Champions League final preview. It's our very first episode, so you know, I wanted to kind of like start off with just a general quick fire question to you. What is something that you've enjoyed this week? Is there anything soccer related or not? Something, yeah. Um, I think yesterday we, so we, we, me and me and Josh actually joined um, a uh, Wednesday Wednesday league uh, soccer like co-ed with um, a bunch of people that also were just looking to make some friends and, and whatnot. Just um, you know, due to the coronavirus, we all kind of struggled with meeting people in person yeah. and being able to kind of have those experiences again. So it's been kind of cool. Um, we had our first practice yesterday and. Um, I realized very quickly that I'm very out of shape for um, <laughs> for for soccer, but it it's it's taxing. It's such a you know it's like whenever they talk, like pundits talk about how you can run 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 all in the off season, but like being in game shape is a mm-hmm. is a thing. Oh yeah, being on the pitch for like five minutes yesterday, I was like, wow, <laughs> these these short bursts, I just can't do that. Yeah, my chest was like, I made one run one time as soon as I got on on on, on the field and. Immediately, I was like, "Oh, I need, I need to sit down for yeah. for a good ten minutes and catch my breath." Because like I work out all the time, but I just lift weights and once in a while I go run like you know a mile or two at a steady, steady, steady pace. And yeah, we don't really go out and just do some sprints outside. And I think I, I need to go out and do some some of that stuff if I want to um, contribute to this 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 team. But we'll see. It was really fun though. It was really fun. And it's so fun like to see. Oh, there's always that one guy who will do like three Cruyff turns, <laughs> dribble all the way up the field, and then miss the shot without passing to anybody. And it's just like, you know, I definitely missed having that kind of, like, person in a pickup game. Yeah. It was good just kind of, like, I feel like nature's healing. Yeah. When there's still people doing that. Oh, for sure. In pickups. So, yeah, I, I also thoroughly enjoyed that. I'm yeah. excited to kind of kick off and have a team. And, you know, I've never actually played competitively, even though this is still, like, beer league but still <laughs> it, it's still competitive soccer in a way that i've never yeah. experienced it so i'm excited for that yeah but speaking of also competitive soccer we're going to focus on the champions league final man city versus chelsea um not in istanbul istanbul anymore it's now we've moved to porto mm-hmm. but it's saturday may 29th um and we separated the teams i'm going to cover chelsea and marcel is going to cover man city so we're just going to like, kind of walk through how each of them got to the Champions League final. Marcel, do you want to kick us off with their road? Yeah, so I'm covering Manchester City, obviously. And um, so the first thing about Man City is that they are a very, very dominant team. They yeah. have been for quite a while. Um, so while other clubs have, have, have certainly faltered, given the hiccups and changes brought by the coronavirus, um, Man City have not. And they have just been a, a winning machine, honestly. And, um, you know, some clubs have struggled with the lack of fans in the stadium. And... Um, they just have not, and they just continue to win and continue to win and continue to win. Um, and in the Champions League, when we, um, we were covering that, I'm going to cover that first. And um, unlike last season, they have won consistently. Um, yeah. Last season, we, um, you know, City topped their group, which included Atlanta, Atlanta Shakhtar Donetsk, um, Denmark Zagreb, and, um, you know, they won four and drew, and drew two games. And then and they were matched up with Real Madrid in the round of 16 and then went on to advance to the quarterfinals with two 
comfortable but nervy T1 victories. Um, but things changed in the quarterfinals due to um, the onset of COVID and the the format being changed to only right. one game, one one off games, and they they played Leon and just didn't have a good game. Um, and 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 they, and they you know got kicked out of the competition by a team that many thought they could handle with ease. Um, and it kind of spelled what has been um, a weird time at Man City for Pep Guardiola, the coach of Man City, um, where they, they dominate the league but just kind of fall short a little bit in the Champions League. Yeah, but they still have some in it's it's almost like it's just the Champions League because they've proven they can win the FA Cup, obviously mm. not this year. Yeah. They've proven they can win the FA Cup. They seem to win the League Cup every year too. Mm. So it's not necessarily like they just suck at knockout football. It's definitely something to do with the actual Champions League. They're they've always been like the almost team. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and this season though has been been just far and away different from that experience. Um, you know, they they've yet to lose so far in the Champions League. Actually, really, I don't know if you knew that, yeah, I did they, not know that. Um, throughout their uh, their group stage, they um, won five games and drew only once, um, and they went on to face Borussia Mönchengladbach of Germany in, in the round of sixteen and they won twice with score lines of two two zero both times. Mm-hmm. Um, then they faced a week in Dortmund because um, at that time Dortmund did lose um, Jaden Sancho for a game. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, but Dortmund is still quite a good team. Yeah, those games were pretty nervy too. Yeah, exactly. And but but they won with two two one victories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they came the hardest test of um, Paris Saint Germain of France. And um, although Marquinhos, Marquinhos opened the scoring in, in the first game, uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez made it two one by the seventy first minute. And then um, following Idrissa Gueye's red card in the seventy seventh <laughs> minute, <laughs> and I, and I think that that's another conversation for another day, but. PSG just tends to, um, you know, struggle when when they're not uh, the dominant team like they are in, in France. Right. Um, and the players just don't have any discipline, and, and once they're losing, it's kind of you you see them losing their heads a little bit. And they did because you know it, it it became kind of futile a little bit. You know, you, you, when I watched that game, it just looked like after that first goal, PSG just had no chance of scoring again. Um, mm-hmm. And then. Um, to make matters worse, after that game, um, Mbappe got injured, so yeah. it meant that in that second game, um, PSG was going to miss their best player. Um, I mean, I, I guess that's pretty arguable if you whether or not you think that Mbappe or Neymar are the best player on that team. But uh, um, <laughs> that's definitely a hot topic. Yeah, yeah, that, that's another topic for another day. But um, they were missing Mbappe and they were missing Andrew Gay because he had that red card. Right. Um, and uh, City cruised to a two-zero victory, and. Uh, it also a big a big big part of this game was the fact that Riyad Mahrez kind of carried this this team in this game with two with two goals of brace. Yeah. Um, and it just showed just how deep this Man City squad is, right? Like it's incredible. Um, they can kind of interchange so many players in in and out in and out, and you know, Pep tends to put players in and plays them for a while when when they're playing well. And if you just you give him two games that aren't as good as he wants them to, you're out. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be someone that's waiting to take your place for the next, you know, 10 games or so while they dominate for, for their own time and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, and then now they're, uh, you know, up next with the final against Chelsea. And I think that I have, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to play just as well as, as they have been in the Champions League so far. 
Um, I think they've kind of removed those doubts I had a little bit yeah. um, about them in the Champions League and um, just based off of what they've done this season. And you look at the Premier League, they clinched the Premier League title on Tuesday, May 11th, which is quite early. Yeah, um, that follow- is early. Yeah, following uh, Man United's defeat against Leicester City. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, to date, City has won uh, 26 games and only lost um, and drawn five games apiece throughout the season. Um, in the League Cup, League, uh, City won that as well, beating Bournemouth, uh, Burnley, Arsenal, Manchester United, and, and finally Tottenham mm-hmm. with a one-day win, courtesy of a late goal in the 82nd minute by yeah. uh, American Laporte. Um, and then in the FA Cup, they um, picked up four wins in the bounce with three comfortable wins against the Minnows. And I know you're not going to like this part, me calling um, <laughs> your team in as uh, no, Swansea that's City. Okay, that's okay. Um, we so, always get drawn with Man City. There was yeah. one, uh, it was, I want to say Grand Potter was still our coach, so maybe it was 2018-19, mm-hmm. um, when we actually went up on Man City in the FA Cup because it was Ooh. at the Liberty, mm-hmm. then we got our asses kicked. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's understandable. Yeah. We're, no, we're no match compared to Pep Guardiola's Man City, so yeah. I understand. They're just a uh, stacked, stacked team, and, um, and interestingly, um, they won it in the League Cup and, and did so uh, in the FA Cup until they faced Chelsea. Chelsea. Um, and, uh, you know, Chelsea beat them and then ultimately went on to lose in the final against Leicester City. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that this may foreshadow just a little bit um, what could happen because Chelsea is, right now, is quite a good team at making other teams not able to play their game. And it's, it's very interesting, especially, you know, if this was still Frank Lampard's Chelsea, mm-hmm. as it was in the beginning of the Champions League, yeah. especially through the group stages, because I don't, Tuchel got hired in February, like about the third week, I can't remember the exact date, but he was there for their knockout stage with Atleti, but before that, like, Chelsea looked very dominant in Group E, they had Sevilla, Ren and Krasnodar. They only drew once. Mm-hmm. It was to Sevilla the first game, no no. But after that, they beat Sevilla once, 4 0, and they also beat Krasnodar, 4 0. Ren scored one in a consolation, but that was still a 4 1 victory. And it was clearly like Chelsea were firing. They were playing very good, attractive football. But in the league, you saw Chelsea. How do I phrase this? Very leaky defense. Chelsea was one of those teams where it was. Not as bad as Arsenal, because I feel like Arsenal are the best at, you know, you're just petrified of watching them for 90 <laughs> minutes because you just uh-huh. know they're going to concede a goal. But it seemed like there would be, Chelsea would go up on somebody, and then they would just have, like, one costume mistake, and then boom, they would be, the team would have, like, a lifeline. They just, they had too many draws, like, especially in the Prem, like, they've won 19 this year, drawn 10, and lost 8. And when you compare that to Man City's 26-5-6, and six, that's just... I mean, it's not in the same ballpark. That's why mm-hmm. Chelsea uh, is like 16 points off the top. I yeah, mean, they're comfortably in third. I mean, with Liverpool and Leicester hot on their heels, but still, that's that's clearly a record where you know they're not consistently proving that they can defend well. And then enter Thomas Tuchel, and I feel like Chelsea's draws in. The Champions League have been pretty tough. I mean, you have Atletico Madrid first round. And they, barring some crazy 
unfortunate circumstance are going to win La Liga this year, which uh-huh. is like incredible. Oh, for we don't know though. Simeone, I know Real Madrid, like can pivot. That's going to be a crazy weekend this weekend. Yeah, but look, there's it's highly likely that you know, barring they have a spectacular collapse, mm-hmm. Atleti can win La Liga, which goes to show that they're just a, a very very well coached team. Mm-hmm. Usually, Atleti is a, is a great knockout team. Yeah. Like, the year when they played Real Madrid, like, those three years in a row where they played Real Madrid in the Champions League final. Like, yeah. they've been here. They've done that. But Chelsea proved that they can defend well. I mean, they beat Atleti 3-0 on aggregate. The first game was just um, 1-0. And it was just this goal from Olivier Giroud, who, you know, isn't getting a lot of minutes now. But I think kind of, like, looking, looking towards <laughs> the final. Yeah. He, I predict him to probably come off the bench and just be wreck havoc. Like mm-hmm. Olivier Giroud, for a while was the top scorer in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I mean, he scored four goals and against Ren in one game, so that definitely put him high up on the charts. But and then you had Hakim Ziyech and Emerson Palmieri scoring in the second leg, and against Jan Oblak, who's a phenomenal keeper. And once Chelsea under Tuchel kind of like established. Edward Mendy in goal, feeling comfortable, and not trying to make him play out from the back because that's not really his strong suit. He's a shot stopper. Every time that they pressure him when he has the ball at his feet, it's honestly so awkward to watch. He looks yeah. like me. He looks he just, quite nerdy, doesn't he? Just, he? he looks so panicky. <laughs> he just wants to boot it upfield. He doesn't want to have to pass. Yeah. But, you know, they've, they've really solidified. Antonio Rudiger is playing phenomenally well this season compared to others like i think he's probably their most consistent and best defender yeah which... I, I think uh rudiger is an amazing defender i think that he honestly could play midfield you know i yeah, see him no, with the no. ball sometimes uh and the way he dribbles the ball the way he runs up the pitch he loves sometimes. to carry it forward um, loves a long shot too he, does, he, he, has he, does. A, he has a rocket on him so i don't blame him but it, it's one of those things where um lampard had more of a 433 mm-hmm. where he wanted to use his Wingbacks, kind of as wingbacks, but still mostly as fullbacks, um, and then try to play mostly through the center, mm-hmm. through their midfield, and that's good. But it left Jorginho kind of isolated, and he really is just the like old-fashioned six. Just loves yeah. to just ping balls, not really do much else. Like he's good not at fast. he's not <laughs> he's not fast. He has the weird penalty run up, um, hop and skate. But he, he's very good at like seeing a pass, and he's good at just kind of controlling the movement. Mm-hmm. And Tugel's come in and now has been employing a 3-4-2-1, where he has actually dedicated wingbacks. So it's usually been Reese James and alternating Ben Chilwell and Marcos Alonso. Um, and that has been really proven to be successful. Like Reese James is just so good at running up the right flank. And guy, yeah. yeah, and he just he has beautiful crosses. Mm-hmm. One thing that Chelsea has been kind of transitioning towards style wise is they're definitely counter attack based. Even though they like like to have possession, they still have about like fifty four possession a game. Mm-hmm. But it, when you watch them, that's kind of surprising because mm-hmm. they definitely like to sit back, mm-hmm. absorb the pressure, and then spring forward with. Pulisic, Werner, Mount, and Havertz. Yeah, they, they strike me as, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, they, they look like the Atletico, Atletico Madrid yeah. of, of the Champions League this season. They they sit back and then um, grab goals, and when you least expect it, your, mm-hmm. your your team is all the way on their side of the pitch, like on around their box, and before you know it, Conte has 
you know, taking the ball from your, your center mid and yeah. sent the ball up to uh, Jorginho, and now he's pinged it behind your defense and, and Werner's on goal. Right. Um, and I think that's – that threat is always there, um, and, and that, that kind of team. And that's why I think that they were able to be so successful against Man City sometimes this season, um, like in the FA Cup, just because mm-hmm. Man City is the type of team that loves the ball, loves to dominate possession – they're going to sit around your box, p- passing it around, be right. very fluid with, fluid with the ball, and um, yes, make it difficult for you to take it off of them. But if you are able to do that, you know you have a chance to spring this counterattack and um, send all those quick players, players with um, amazing passing ability, yeah. forward within a second, and before you know it, right there at your box, and um, anything can happen at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking about the FA Cup. <laughs> I, in my notes, I just said they have one goal. It's obviously a one on one to Chelsea, and it was one successful counterattack. Like, it, that is their bread and butter where they try to make the most out of the limited chances that you, they get. They, and, and, like, I was looking at the heat maps before this, and under Lampard, you could clearly see that they were trying to work the ball through the middle before trying to go outside mm-hmm. and now under Tuchel it's strictly all on the flanks yeah mostly on the right flank because again Reese James because Ben Chilwell is pretty good like he had he scored against Porto which mm-hmm. was kind of a crazy goal that Ben Chilwell was up there and like rounded the keeper and a whole deal looked like a striker yeah but when you think of their left attacking wing back you usually think of Marcus Alonso so they're they're mostly like everybody knows that they're going to try to come out the right side yeah and then either like switch the play over to Werner on the left, or try to work it into whoever's playing centrally, mm-hmm. um, whether that be Mason Mount or Kai Havertz, and it, it really works. Like it's it's pretty crazy how effective they've been at just just flipping the counter yeah. and making their chances count. And I, I think also something that's quite interesting with Chelsea too is that. Um, they can kind of switch the script a little bit with which flank they're focusing on each game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Tuchel kind of sets up the team in a way that there's one um, ring back that is the more attacking of the two and is given more of a license to push up, and the other one is a little bit more conservative. And I don't want to say like just conservative and plays like he is just a right back, but um, just a little bit more conservative and doesn't bomb forward quite as much. Yeah. And when, they, when he has someone like Marcus Alonso on the left, who is quite the attacking wing back um terrible defender, <laughs> terrible defender um <laughs> but you know i think that marcus lonzo could honestly be a striker you oh, know yeah. he's that good of a finisher he's that good at popping up in the box um so yeah when he's in the box and if, if the ball is lost you know he's very very far away from from defending for mm-hmm. you um and he's not the fastest of players so yeah um when when you have marcus lonzo on the left left wing back position they, he tends to put someone like um you know, Aspilicueta, even starting at a right right wing back position, yeah. and um, even um, Hudson Adore with the pace sometimes. So it's they have a, some interesting pieces on, on the wing back positions. And I think that that may be the um, a big big reason that they could get this win um, in the Champions League final is just who who he sets up at the wing back positions and right. how he decides to play them, and um, depending on like who he thinks you know was going to be the wing backs for for Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really I think that probably this might be getting towards our predictions a little bit, but like I think the right side will still be the focal point just because I mean Kyle Walker is such a good right back. 
so they're not really going to try to push up the left too much. I mean, Werner, I'd like to see them in a foot race, because I think that would be fun, <laughs> but I don't know how often that's going to happen. Yeah. But I really think that, I like Alexander Zinchenko, mm-hmm. I think he's a good player, but I think, you know, they're not going to mess with Ruben Diaz and John Stones, they look like a brick wall. Mm-hmm. So, whenever, especially if they play Fernandinho in the middle too, like, it's going to be very difficult, even with N'Golo Conte and Mason Mount being as creative as they are, to work through the center. So I really think that it's vital that they have their wingbacks. And to talk about the FA Cup final a little bit, I think one of the large reasons that Chelsea had such a hard time at moving the ball forward is actually Tuchel, I think, overthought himself a little bit. He played Reese James as like the right-sided center back mm-hmm. and then had SPV Quaita on the as the wing back and he did that to account for Jamie Vardy's pace mm-hmm. because as people is a good leader he's a good defender but he's getting up he's probably like 34 35 mm-hmm. so he's not going to outrun Jamie Vardy in a foot race so I understand and Reese James had a really good game playing he kept Jamie Vardy um quiet I mean Yuri Tillman's just had a fantastic goal a worldie what a, that was that was quite the goal quite yeah the goal. it was it was it was incredible so but I think it limited Chelsea's ability to kind of get forward in the way that they're comfortable. So I think going towards Man City, especially when you consider how they played just recently, a couple weeks ago in the Premier League when Chelsea got the 2-1 win, I think that's something that they really need Reese James out wide and just try to limit how much... I, I don't think they're going to play a high line. Like I don't think they're going to try because they... Tiago Silva has been playing really well recently, but again, he's he's getting up there too. Antonio Rudiger, I think, is a ph- phenomenal defender. He's also not the fastest. I think Kurt Zuma is easily their fastest defender, but I just don't think he can get in the team. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where you need to have the outlet to give your center back some space, knowing that they're not the fastest. And I think that's also kind of like where... Man City playing a high line is going to come back to bite them. I, I'm interested to see how Pep mm-hmm. will account for the last two games that they've lost to Chelsea. Yeah. So with that being said, you want to get into like what are our, our formations? We think that yeah. these teams are going to be. So um, I think that um, you know, so primarily uh, Man City plays with a four-three-three, with um, that central striker being more of a false nine, um, recently at least, um, and. Sometimes Pep does tink a little bit and, and plays them in a 4-2-3-1. Um, but I think that this uh, game will primarily be a 4-3-3 just because um, the last few games he, Pep has gone with a 4-3-3. And, right. Um, uh, I think that you know, there, there's going to be some questions for some of the positions, but I think that starting at the back, um, we're going to see Ederson in goal, of course. Um, and, and left back, um, I think that this position does have a, a, quite a few questions. It's either going to be Zinchenko or um, Cancelo. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that Pep does tend to trust Zinchenko quite a bit in these, in these sorts of games, and these right. sort of one-off games, because he, he's the kind of, kind of player that um, follows instructions. Um, he might not be the best athlete on the pitch, he might not be the best player on the pitch, um, but he does follow the instructions that Pep gives, and you can see mm-hmm. that he is a player that um, you know will do whatever he needs to do to, to, to get into that team and to... Yeah. Um, play the best game that he can. So he tends to give at least a six or seven out of ten in each each game, and um, isn't going to give you you know a blinder, a horrible game. And he's also not going to get sent off like Kinsella just did against Brighton. Exactly. So, and, and that was a little unfair, but still, mm-hmm. that was that was a it was a foul. And I 
like Zinchenko is a little bit better about being conscious about knowing when to foul. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. I, I think that's a better shout for to start. Yeah, and then I think that um, the the left and cent- left center back and right center back positions um, are pretty set in stone. <laughs> um, yeah. No pun intended. I think that um, <laughs> left center back is going to be um, Diaz, who is. Um, he, Ruben Diaz has been quite the player this season. He, I think that the best um, player to, to, to compare him to is Van Dyke in his entrance into the Liverpool team. Mm-hmm. Um, Diaz has been such a calming presence, and you can really see that in, in the way he plays. Um, you know, he he's 24. He, he's Portuguese descent, um, and it's his first city. He's from ben, Benfica. Mm-hmm. It's his first first season in the city, and um, he uh, he's been really calming. He's the kind of center back that doesn't dive into tackles. He's the kind of center back that um, kind of calms the team down. He, you know, dives in to, to, to block. He's great he, at that. <laughs> he's one of those, like, he looks like an old-school center back without getting sent off. Like, he is a bit crazy with the amount that he just throws himself in front of yeah. balls, but he gets so many blocks a he game. Really does. It's he really incredible. Does. Um, and, you know, in the Champions League so far this season, he's had 10 appearances. Um, with 0.7 tackles per 90, which is pretty good. And um, it's around the level that Van Dyke is, which is, mm-hmm. um, and Van Dyke's is, is a 0.6, 0.6. So he tackles just a little bit more than Van Dyke does, but I think that's just part of the way um, City play comparing, compares to Liverpool. And um, that, that mode of defending kind of calms the team down and, and, and shows that there's always someone behind, there's always someone that's going to be there. Right. Um, and it allows that other right center back, and I think it's going to be uh, John Stones, to be the one that is a little bit more aggressive and and trying to intercept the passes and, and win the ball and whatnot, um, you know, and I, and I think that you know there may be the entrance of Americ Laporte into the team, but I really doubt it. He's not really been um, in the in, in the starting eleven for the past few games, um, and, and and Ruben Diaz has really made that left center back position his his own. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that I think that Pep has kind of learned his lesson of the on the like tinkering before that that game thing that he, he's done past um, seasons of the Champions League where he comes into that big game that you know he needs to win and all of a sudden the, the you know they change the formation from a 4-3-3 to a 3-5-2 and a player who's a right mid is now playing left left back I don't know right. he, he does that kind of stuff sometimes and I think that he's just going to kind of just make the team the way he, he's, he's been you know building it for the past few games of the Champions League and then we're going to see him in the right back position I think we're going to see uh Walker in there. He's um, dependable. He uh, very, very. He's very, very fast. I think he's going to be um, very, very good against a player like Pulisic, who's, who's fast as well. Who mm-hmm. Normally starts in that left wing position, yeah. so he would be, you know, primarily going foot races with Walker. And I'm excited to see who wins those, and it's going to be quite a, a, a battle there. Um, and then when we move to the center mid positions, I think they're. Um, this is where there are a lot of questions, really. Um, I think that Rodri, of course, is going to start in that center defensive mid position. Um, he started out quite slowly, um, and just you, you could see the deficiencies in this game that weren't there with um, Fernandinho. But right. I think Rodri just has the legs, he has the passing ability, he has it all, honestly. And I think that. Um, he's definitely going to be that you know, center defensive mid. Um, and then Gundogan, I think, is going to be the other center mid as well. He's 
He's had a very interesting season, you know. Um, He's been scoring his ass. Scoring a lot of goals, uh, which is very surprising for a player like him, who (laughs) started out as kind of like a center defensive mid a little bit. Um, And now in in, in the Champions League, he has three goals already in 11 appearances. Um, In the Premier League, he has 13 goals in in 23 appearances. And this is a this is a sentiment that was almost a you know almost a defender for quite a bit of his career. Yeah, and he was there was a point when he was on that scoring tear, I guess in the beginning of the year when it was just like almost every game, mm-hmm. and they were talking about him potentially breaking Yaya Torres, twenty goals in a season for yeah. a midfielder, which is just kind of mental. It's just like Ilkay Gundogan that's, yeah. that's going to be the guy because I just think about remember when he first signed for Man City? I think it was after his first season he tore his ACL. And then they made, like, shirts for him to, like, in, like, remembrance, like, he had died or something. And it's like he just, he just literally tore his ACL. Like, yeah. I just, I just think it's, that's funny. And I feel like he's always just been kind of, like, a, on the periphery. But this season, he's really claimed a starting spot mm-hmm. and, and earned it. Like, he's just, he's been playing so well. Yeah. He is very good at bringing the ball forwards, especially, and I'm sure you'll talk about this a little bit, but just, like, the city and Aguero's, like, health troubles and kind mm-hmm. of like Gabriel Jesus not getting a look as often they need attacking outlets mm-hmm. so it's not just KDB on an island not just Phil Foden on an island and Vindelon is so good at bringing the ball forward and getting it in the box he's, he's always like the last runner in the box but just the ball falls to him and he's an excellent finisher he really is he really is and then um, I think that the last sentiment position out of all of the um, well there, there's a couple of positions that are very interchangeable, right? So with this position, I think that he may go with someone like um, like Silva, um, Bernardo Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he's good. Um, he can also play right wing, and um, is 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 he's in slow. I wouldn't say he's fast either. He's a good passer of the ball. Um, and in the Premier League this season, he has two goals in two thousand minutes and six assists as well. So he he's a, he's a, he's a center mid that can. Kind of get forward a little bit. He um, is a good presser. Um, is a good presser of the ball, and I think that if he is a center mid here in this position, I think that um, Kevin De Bruyne, who yeah. I uh, really, re- I think that if there's any player that's going to uh, make this game his own, if there's any player that's going to, um, you know, carry the, this game by the scruff of its neck, it's it's Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and just for a little profile on him, he's a 29 year old Belgian. Um, and I think arguably is the best player in the Premier League, and yeah. it pains me to say this as a Liverpool fan. I, I, but <laughs> you know, I have to be honest about that to myself and, and on this podcast that I think that really he might be the best player in the Premier League. Former Chelsea player too. I know, I know. That's way back. Big too, and 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 um, you know, this season so far he has nine goals and, and fifteen assists in the Premier League, um, and even with about twenty percent of the games he's missed, right? He's come into the squad and just continue to dominate like he does with his passing mm-hmm. with his um, uh, finishing ability with his pressing ability and those statistics really do show um, when he brings to this team it, it, it's just the unrivaled passing um, with world-class finishing and um, just the, he's a complete midfielder yeah. um, I think that I, 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 I was listening to another podcast and the way they described him is so perfect they described him as a Rolls Royce of a midfielder and I think that yeah. is the most adequate way of describing Kevin De Bruyne but his and right foot is gold, too. Gold. I, I just, he is such a, I've never seen, 
somebody control a ball yeah. the way that he can, no matter if it's a dead ball, if it's just moving so quickly. He, It's just so effortless for him to just pass it exactly where he wants it. And honestly, like, whenever he does take a shot, like, I would really not want to save it. Like, he, he mm-hmm. can put so much power behind it. And he's so he's so such an intelligent player too. Oh yeah. And I feel like he's more mobile than a lot of people give him credit. Like in, in open space, he's pretty quick. He's very shifty, and he has he's he's probably not the best dribbler on the team, but mm-hmm. he's definitely able to hold his own, and he can find a pass like nobody else. And I, I think he is he's crucial to Man City winning. And if Chelsea have a chance, they need to find ways to kind of cut De Bruyne out. Yeah, and it's funny that we're describing him as like you know this complete midfielder, which he is, um, as he can really effectively drop deep, um, sitting in sitting in the midfield, he can yep. sit in the double pivot with additional defensive responsibility, he can play bo- a box-to-box role, um, you, he can play as attacking midfielder as number 10, right behind the striker, um, providing the key passes and assists, even with his eyes closed, honestly. Um, and now this season, right, Pep has showed that he can, he can play as a false nine as well, um, as a striker who kind of drops deep a little bit, and um, kind of assist the midfield and allows the team to, to dominate from the front with the pressing because um, he just is endless runner. He will keep running. Mm-hmm. He's a player that wants to win. He needs to win, and you can kind of see that in the way that he plays. Right. Um, and, you know, with that intensive pressing and pass, passing fluidity in the front of the pitch, you can really have anyone pop up with the goal. You know, he can drop yeah. deep and kind of spray a pass to the um, left winger, I think, who's going to be Phil Foden. Um, what a player. Who is just quite the player. He's the other player I think is going to be a game-changing player in this team um, at only 20 as well. Um, I think that there's <laughs> a lot of parallels with him and Lionel Messi. And I, I know that people always have these players. That they're right. like, you know, this is the new Messi or whatever. But there's a lot of parallels with the fact that, you know, Pep Guardiola was the one who first gave Messi his first chance in, in Barcelona mm-hmm. about the same age. And, um you know, started trusting him quite early. Right. Um, even with the, in, in a team of so many superstars, right? Like, this is a 20-year-old taking a starting position right now from um, a Raheem Sterling that yeah. I would say is a world-class left winger. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's big. And, and, and the way he... Um, he well, first of all, he's, he scored 15 and assisted 8 across all comp- club competitions to date. Um, he's a great dribbler of the ball, and you can, ha- you can see the way he dribbles it. It's... Is very messy esque that kind of um, thing of where the ball looks like it just sticks to him as he's sprinting around and yeah. running around and dribbling around players. He's not going to be doing um, step overs like Ronaldo. He's not <laughs> going to be doing all these tricks and stuff. He just gets pa- gets by you and all your players, you know? Yeah, and um, it makes it look so effortless. It's like he's skiing almost. Exactly. The defenders just fall over. Yeah, and then <clears throat> and then you have that and you combine it with an additional element of speed because I'm not going to say he has um, any, like a team over on her pace or anything but he has he has some pace on him and um, he's used all of these these skills and abilities and, and, and produced um, 1.5 dribbles per 90 in the Champions League so far nice. and it's just um, a machine so far and, and, and I think that um, if someone's going to have a springboard of you know, best player in the world conversations. I think this is this is it. I, right? This is this is the point where you see him if he dominates this, this game. Right? People are really going to start looking at him as as the next Lionel Messi. Yeah. Right? Um, I even think that he could be in the conversation for the Ballon d'Or if he if he wins 
this and, and, and proves to be the man of the match. Um, he's a great player, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, this team is just so well-rounded and um, talented all over the pitch. And then la la last position, I think, is going to be the right winger. It's going to be uh, Mares, who, um, you know, I, I think that his um, playing style in, in the City team is a little different than what we'd expect of him. Um, especially how he played at Leicester City. He was such a free-flowing, mm -hmm. dribble at defenses all game. Um, not ball hog, but not in the like you know negative sense. He was just the best dribbler on the team. And yeah. he was just, you have the ball, you give it to, to, to Mares, and he makes something happen. Um, and here in this team, he kind of sits out wide, tries to stretch the defense a little bit, and kind of dribbles in from the outside there. And this kind of makes him not have the goal, the, the ball in those prime shooting positions in front of the box mm -hmm. but you know once in a while he does pop up with games where he scores braces and hat tricks and whatnot and um i think that he also has a chance to you know carry this game for this team um and then lastly just some alternatives some alternates in the team um i think that there's also a chance that pep goes in this game and um doesn't start the false nine he drops um kevin de bruyne a, a bit deeper into the center mid position in place of uh Silva, bernardo silva mm. um and then puts in a striker such as uh, Jesus. Um, I I would love for him to play uh, Aguero, but I don't think that he's going to start Aguero. I, no. I, Aguero is just a little bit too old, a little bit too slow, and has just been off pace a little bit this season. And he's had a rough rough go of it with injuries yeah. too. Um, so it's it's sad, but but I don't I don't think that he's going to get this um, swan song with the uh, Champions League with Man City. But you know he he's going to be on the bench. I, I'm. You know, seventy percent sure he's going to come on eventually as a substitute if the game if they're behind or something. Um, but yeah, I think that there may be a Jesus striker or even uh, uh, what's the other uh, right winger slash striker's name? Um, oh, Ferran Torres. He's been playing really well. Yeah, Ferran Torres. Ferran Torres. He um, he's just scored a hat trick actually. He did. Um, so I, I I think I saw that and I was like, ooh, that's. Another weapon that <laughs> that Pep has now, because um, he hasn't really played much this season, but um, since that game, I just have this inkling of a thought that like Pep is going to come into this game and start Ferran Torres up top or on the right mm -hmm. wing and something. And um, so yeah, Man City is just a difficult team to kind of place um, with where players are going to play. You generally know the players that are going to start, but it's it's difficult to. Uh, really know which positions Pep is going to uh, start everybody at and stuff. So I'm I'm very very excited to kind of see that starting lineup um, an hour before the game. So how about you? Can you tell us about the? Yeah. So I I, I think that you know Tuchel's going to stick to his three four two one. In goal is going to be Edward Mendy. He's mm -hmm. been a revelation for them. So um, tall. He's very tall. Yeah. I think he. Let's double check. I think he's six six. Yeah. Just about 197 centimeters, so around six five six six. Very tall, and he's built too. He's very, very big, solid shot stopper. Very much the antithesis of Keppa in a lot of ways. Who, I mean, Keppa, I, I feel bad for him in a lot of ways. Like, he he needs to get out of Chelsea and kind of like revive his career. But you know, Keppa was the ball playing goalkeeper, passing at the back, and they realized that they just. Kepa wasn't that good at saving shots, which is the most important part of being a goalkeeper. So they picked up Edward Mendy from Rennes and Ligon, who was actually in their group stage, which is interesting. So he got to play against his old team, but he's just he's just been a revelation. He's so good at 
stopping shots. Um, his save against Benzema in the Champions League um, semifinal was incredible. Mm-hmm. He he just has proven that when the when backline fails, they don't necessarily have to panic. It's not panic stations. So that's just been incredible for them. And then going to the left side, center back. I think it's going to be Antonio Rudiger. I think that allows him to cover defensively the left wing back well, whether it be Chilo or Alonso, and still allows him kind of the freedom to get up when needed. And he just scored this week mm-hmm. against Leicester. So he's proven again that he's, he's good aerial threat. Mm-hmm. He's, he's probably their best defender this season. Great player. And it's, it's funny that he didn't really play much under Lampard. Yeah, just um, Lampard just didn't really like enjoy him. Lampard yeah. was big on Andreas Christensen, who I think is a good defender as well. He's prone to mistakes, um, and he also preferred Kurt Zuma over him, mm-hmm. who I feel like it's unfortunate that there's both Thiago Silva and Aspilicueta still on the team because I think Kurt Zuma deserves a bigger role in Chelsea. He's proven himself to be a good defender as well. And I, th- I think that Chelsea, what's in- interesting about their centre-backs too is that they have some centre-backs that are very clearly three at the back center backs yeah. you know um, like uh, Espiliqueta obviously it plays as right back but right. primarily but when you see him as a center back you can't you don't see him in, in a back two in, with a back four right because yep. he's he's a little shorter he's about 5'11 mm-hmm. or so he's not the strongest or the quickest he's the kind of center back that is just there to kind of mop up some interceptions mm-hmm. to um, he's, hustle he's really good at organizing too exactly he's very exactly. much there vocal leader on the pitch mm. definitely tries to keep everybody in shape and is pretty no nonsense like, I gotta get, I gotta get. He, loves, he loves a good foul he gets, pretty, <laughs> gets a lot of yellow cards yeah that's but, the kind of play um, you want on your team Chelsea so far have not had a red card in the Champions League this year and I think they're probably going to keep that unless the game in the final gets a little scrappy mm. which is possible towards the end just because it's like a, you know it's the last game but Chelsea Chelsea are pretty disciplined they know how to foul correctly and win to foul, which would go a long way. I think in the middle, Thiago Silva has to get the start. He has been a revelation since his free transfer from uh, Paris Saint-Germain. He's, he was just a stalwart in their defense for at least, what, five, six years or so. Like He's been there forever. And I think they let him, let him go just a little bit too early. I mean, I yeah. know he's old, but um, about 37 now or so, mm-hmm. but... He is showing that he still has ability, obviously, and um, is about to maybe win a Champions League final. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, would, that would be the perfect way to go out. I, th- I want to say I think he's on a one-year contract, mm-hmm. so this, depending on how this goes, like they might have conversations, but this would be a great way for him to end his career. He's been captain of Brazil, he's been captain of PSG, he's not captain of Chelsea, but he's definitely one of the other leaders on the pitch, just mm-hmm. definitely like showing them how to conduct themselves at such a high level. Like I said, he captains Brazil, so he knows how to handle big games and big stages. Mm-hmm. Um, just just all-around great player. I think, it, like you said earlier, the right-sided center back will be Cesar Azpilicueta. He's been at Chelsea for, oh, it seems like decades now. He's been <laughs> there. He's been there for a while, and he's, like you said, a right-back by trade, but he's... He has adapted well. He's even under Antonio Conte. He proved that he can play kind of like center back and a back three. Mm-hmm. He can play right back when he needs to. But he's just very he's versatile. He can adapt, and he's the leader. He organizes everybody in front of him. 
and that's just the way that they like to play and that's the best way to go about it mm. going on to the flanks i think on the right side you have reese james i don't think he is droppable at the moment he is definitely one of england's best right backs i mean i know Trent alexander arnold is probably close to your heart <laughs> he's also a phenomenal right back but I, I think it's it's crazy how much how many um phenomenal right backs yeah. that england has at the moment i i think that like it's it's funny the way national teams work where um, you'll have some teams and all of their talent is spread around the pitch and they're able to you know, kind of carry a cycle because of that. And then you have others that just have so much talent in one position. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, I, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure Garrett Southgate kind of wishes that you know, either Kieran Trippier or um, uh, Trent or, or, or Reese James or even Aaron Von Bissaka yeah. were left-footed to put on left-back. <laughs> um, because I, I really would say that I could go... You know, if, if we made a list of the top English, English fullbacks on both both flanks, I think that the first four would be the right backs yeah. that I've just mentioned, and then we'd start with the Ben Chilwells and stuff. And I, right. and I think he's good, but um, I certainly think that just every right back that is you know top of the leagues right now is amazing. And Reese James is one of the one of the best too. And his pace, his um, power, he, he's he's very smart with with you know, his positioning and um, knowing where to be on the pitch. He's not the wing back that's going to, um, you know, be up top while um, a counterattack is happening. He's, mm-hmm. He has the pace to catch back up, and I think that's why um, Tuchel likes him so much is that you know he can contribute to the attack yeah. and still be um, the person handling that that left winger that 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 you think is important and whatnot. So yeah, he he was a good cross. Like he's averaging one point one crosses a game in the Prem, just a little bit under in the Champions League. And like you said, he, he gets back, he's up and down the pitch, he is so quick, and he's only 21, so I mean, it's... Room to grow. Room to grow, and I think like Chelsea would be very mistaken to let him go at some point. Like mm-hmm. He's definitely going to be the key to their long-term success, so I, I think he's undroppable at the moment, so he's going to be the right wing back. And then moving to the cent- central mid... Defensive central men next to him will be Ngolo Kante. Um, again, what, what to say about Ngolo Kante? He's incredible. He's 30-year-old Frenchman. Yeah. Um, Best prob- centerman in the world. Yeah, he's <laughs> he is such a good, well-rounded player. Really, such a nice person, too. Uh-huh. It's It strikes me just how down-to-earth he is. But at the same time, he's just... He is such, such an incredible player. He's their workhorse of the midfield... He, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. I, and I know, like, this word gets used a lot, but he has an engine. Like, he just mm. he never stops. If Kevin De Bruyne is the Rolls Royce of Man City, then, like, N'Golo Conte would be, like, I don't know what the, like, um, luxury version of Toyota and Lexus <laughs> is, but, like, that's <laughs> no, N'Golo Conte. Like, no, he, yeah. he, is, he is durable, he is versatile, and he's reliable. I mean... He just runs over the pitch. He's definitely their best presser. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Chelsea's pressing is they're not going to kind of like Liverpool where it's like a Gigan press and they want mm-hmm. to just try to win the ball whenever I they know. can. And N'Golo Kante is not going to try to run down everybody and try to win the ball off them directly. He is just so good at making pressure and making the other team make the wrong pass. Oh, yeah. And that's where... His partner Jorginho comes in because he's good at like filling in those passing lanes. He's, he has a good eye for the interception as well, Smart and so player. like him and Conte, Conte will be the one to roam forwards. I mean, Conte's 
let's see if he's had a goal this year. Um, he's had three assists, mm -hmm. so he's he's good at getting in the box. And he, he can score. He can score. He can I, score. I know he, he scored a couple last season. Um, I think that it, the, the the one thing that you can kind of give to Lampard a little bit is that he he made um, Conte not be such a sitter in the midfield because I yeah. know that prior to Lampard's arrival at Chelsea and Leicester and whatnot and, and, and early on in Chelsea, I think that Conte was that primary sitter who's the, the, the furthest forward above the center mids. And, um, you know, Lampard came and saw that the only way that he could get a player like Jorginho, who doesn't have the most pace and doesn't have the mm -hmm. most stamina and who is that kind of sitter in the, the Pirlo-esque kind of way. Yeah. Um, the only way to kind of get them both in the same squad is to have, um, you know, Conte be the one that runs forward a little bit. Um, and, and, and Conte does have that stamina and pace to get back in position if, if you know, the ball is lost and whatnot. So yeah. just quite a, just an, an amazing center mid. And, and, yeah. I, and I know that if, you know, if, if I was, if I was a center mid as good as him, I would never be as, as humble. Just being honest. No, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty incredible just how, yeah, like I said earlier, just down to earth. I mean, he seems like such a nice guy. He's very relatable just treats this as a job and just keeps it separate from his personal life and just mm -hmm. seems like a you know he he would be one of those he he is like the footballer that you would walk on this walk past on the street and then you're like that's just a normal guy mm -hmm. genuinely <laughs> don't know that i'm walking past probably the best central mood in the entire world yeah like he's just <laughs> he's so unassuming in so many ways like it's just he's just such a enigmatic character it's so funny yeah um, going to the left wing, since we talked about Jorginho in his role, Ben Chilwell, I think, will get the start ahead of Marcus Alonso, just because Ben Chilwell proves that he can be a goal-scoring threat. I think he's more sound defensively. Very much so. Um, they spent a lot of money on him from Leicester, so it's kind of like a... He's coming good, but mm. it, there was a while where it seemed like he wasn't really fitting in the system in a back four, but I really think kind of being the wing back in a larger 3-4-2-1 mm -hmm. really suits his style like Reese James he's good at roaming the flanks up and down I will say he doesn't have as much of a presence going forward as Reese James mm -hmm. but he's he's good at intercepting he's good at winning the ball and he's good at passing it back to his teammates and also switching the field uh, I think he's just a very reliable left wing back and when I go into predictions a little bit I think we will likely see Marcus Alonso be brought on for him later mm -hmm. in the game to counteract when City's a little more tired. Mm -hmm. Let's put on our very, very, very much attacking with wing back mm -hmm. after Chilwell has done his job. The front three for this game, it, it's really tough. Uh, there's there's two nailed-on starters at the moment. The one that I'm going to highlight right now is arguably Chelsea's best player of the season. I think he's their player of the season, the 22-year-old midfielder, Mason Mount. He, Mason Mount, I mean, there's, there's so much to say about Mason Snuck Mount. Snuck up on me. That's really? Yeah, I mean, I first saw he was getting pitched, picked under under Lampard, and I was like, he was, he was this kid, you know? Um, I knew he played under Lampard at um, Derby County for a little mm -hmm. bit, and, and, and um, it just seemed like the stereotypes of him of like Lampard's son or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was definitely um, the teacher's pet. In a lot yeah, of ways. yeah, like the English kid that you know Lampard is just like, oh, I'm gonna get an English lad in here and blah blah blah. And then, but you know he's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. incredible. I mean, he has eight goals and six assists in the Premier League and Champions League combined. Like he he has the most minutes mm -hmm. of the Chelsea team. Which oh, well, I didn't know that. Says a lot between two managers too. Yeah, like he, that's wild. He's played the most minutes. 
outside of Edward Mindy, who mm-hmm. I mean, which makes sense, he's the goalkeeper. I he's just been he's just been undroppable. I he he is like Conte and that he's a workhorse. He is very willing to press. Mm-hmm. He's very willing to move the ball forward. And whenever Chelsea can't get the ball up the flanks and kind of cross it in or get along the team of Werner out wide, they're looking to pass it to Mason Mount. Mm-hmm. Like that Mason Mount brings the ball forward in ways that other players can't. Mm-hmm. And he's he's always a pesky presence in the box. Mm-hmm. He scores a lot of scrappy goals, but he also has really really elegant right boot. So he's mm-hmm. he's he's a really good player. He's definitely their player of the season. Mm-hmm. Um he gets fouled all the time. He has the most key passes in the team per game, mm-hmm. which just goes to show that like everything is go through goes through him. Two point four key passes, one point two dribbles, one point two fouls. Like he is kind of the offense. Like, mm-hmm. You want to get a foul, pass it <laughs> You you want to distribute the ball, pass pass it mount. You want to like have somebody consistently finish well, pass it to Mason Mount. So yeah. he's he's almost undroppable. Yeah, point. he's yeah, I, and I think another um, underrated you know part of his skill set as well is just his the runs he makes yeah. too. Like very he's, intelligent. Yeah, very intelligent runs, and I, I think you you can really see that when you watch um, Chelsea playing, and um, he's able to draw defenders away. Um, you know, you see Pulisic making that run with the ball, dribbling, and then he runs, you know, diagonal to him, and he, he draws the center mid, the center backs a little bit to, to, towards him, and mm-hmm. now Pulisic just has a little bit more space and is able to thread the ball to, to Werner, and there you go, it's a goal, you know? Right. Um, and he's not credited with an assist or a goal there, but was the reason that that goal was able to happen. And right. um, I think he's, he's a little bit... Zinchenko-esque in, the, mm-hmm. in that like he, he does what his manager wants him to do yeah um, with just a, a, a lot more ability <laughs> you know he's, he's um, very willing to listen yeah and I, I think there's a reluctance amongst a lot of top players to um, to press and I, I understand after playing yesterday you know you, you run for a little bit and you're just exhausted your chest is hurting and yeah you don't want to yeah and he's a player that um, you know he's like my, my manager wants me to press this player when they have the ball and I'm going to do it and it doesn't matter how tired he gets he's going to keep doing it he's going to keep doing yeah. it he's going to keep doing it um, and if you're the manager I, I think that that kind of um, trust in the player is what leads him to you know getting these, these many minutes and just being um, reliable and you know what you're going to get from him every time so yeah his partner in central like attacking midfield I, I went back and forth I, I think Christian Pulisic is going to get the nod over Hakim Ziyech. Um, Ziyech has not played that well this season. He's not played that well. I think the system doesn't suit him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is necessarily a right winger or a right attacking mid. I think he would prefer to play more centrally, similar to what he did at Ajax, and then have the freedom to kind of go out loud to create space. But mm-hmm. when he is just told to occupy the space, he can go a little quiet. He's yeah. had a couple goals this season where he's scored against Man City, and he has his games where it's like, okay, it makes sense that Chelsea spent all that money on him to get him from Ajax. But I just think that, I, I, I just think that Christian Pulisic is more of a Tuchel player. Like obviously Tuchel was the manager at Dortmund when Pulisic came through, um, so they have a rapport, very similar mindset of how they want to attack. Like Pulisic, like Mount is a good pressing presence mm-hmm. he's a good coach's pet in a lot of mm-hmm. ways that he loves to listen yeah he's very tricky and he's creative and i, I feel he like pace too <laughs> lots of pace 
he's had his problems with injuries, especially this season. And I think Frank Lampard didn't trust him in a lot of ways. There was a lot of controversy whether or not it was because he was American. I think that's a little bit of BS. I just don't think he was a Frank Lampard player. Yeah. But like under Tuchel, it seems like he's just been revitalized, mm-hmm. and it's bodes well for the U.S. national team. It does bode well for the U.S. <laughs> national team. It's one of those things where he, when you watch him, especially in the recent Champions League games, he's come off the bench, but I, the fact that he looks like the best dribbler like he gets out there and he gets kicked around like nobody's he's like Neymar almost yeah that's when I watch him I'm like wow they really foul him like they foul <laughs> Neymar like they just yeah. kick him left and right because they can't get the ball off him yeah. he he is so good at keeping the ball he's good at kind of like finding the outlets and also like I feel like he's kind of slowly getting his shooting boots back again and he's mm-hmm. getting into the box really kind of putting pressure and I think Chelsea, in a lot of ways, is kind of like becoming a Man City in a, in the sense that they love to do a square ball. Like it seems like sometimes they're too afraid to take a shot because they kind of since they love to come in on the flanks, they come in at about forty five degree angles, so it kind of mm-hmm. limits where their shooting capabilities yeah. are. So they love to just try to square it across the goal. Um, but both Mount and Pulisic give you the option to cut inside, do something a little shifty, and then get a shot off yeah. more centrally. Um, and that leaves the last person. I think Timo Werner is going to start over Kai Havertz. Interesting. Do you I, think that uh, Kai Havertz is going to start the game? I don't think Kai Havertz is going to start the game. Okay. I think Timo Werner is going to start and look sub mm-hmm. Kai for Timo. Briefly, I, I just feel like Kai Havertz has had a really rough season. He contracted COVID, um, and then there's it, it kind of seems like he had the long COVID symptoms. Like mm-hmm. He definitely was not well for a lot of this season which is unfortunate like, I, that's just a, it's just really tragic mm-hmm. on a personal level but also on a sports level like it's just it's his first season it's his first <laughs> season in a new country so he's got to adjust to um, living in England I, and I both I feel like him and Timo have really like embraced like they both speak English really well mm-hmm. to be able to communicate with their teammates um, they're, they're definitely starting to settle in especially now it took them a while but I feel like Timo a lot has been said about Timo Werner. He needs to work on his finishing. I'm not going to sit here and deny that he <laughs> had, he loves to miss a sitter. It's that's something that's been with him since Leipzig, though. You yeah. know, he he had a strike partner in Yusuf Poulsen there, who was more of a traditional striker, big body, big aerial threat. And what Timo would do is spread the play. He would go. He likes to drift left, mm-hmm. cut back on on his right and either cross it in, maybe take a long shot, but they're going to play him centrally with... If this will, I feel like this will kind of morph into... Mount, Mason Mount will kind of play more... They'll like kind of rotate. Like Timo Werner will drift out wide to the left, Mount will fill in in the center, mm-hmm. Pulisic will be on the right. Because Timo likes to explore that space on the left, he's going to push Kyle Walker to spread that out, open passing lanes in the middle and then try to cut back inside and find that ball. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's invaluable for his pace. Mm-hmm. He's very fast. He's very He makes intelligent runs, too. I, it, it, the only thing, if he could finish his shots. Yeah. He, he would his, be an amazing striker. The, the thing is, like he his XG is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's His XG is double what his actual like score retaliate is. Like, yeah. He's underperforming by half, which just goes to show that, like, He's getting, he gets in the good positions. He gets right? in the good positions. He puts himself. He gets his shots on target most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's just he just doesn't finish it. He's yeah. either right at the keeper or it's a tricky save that the keeper makes it. 
And he, and once he starts coming good on that, mm. it's going to be incredible. I think he will he'll be an all-around striker. Mm. I think it'll take him a couple years. Like, he's only 24, so he still has time to grow. And I think if Chelsea invests well and kind of gets a strike partner or figures out how to get mm. the best out of Timo, he'll continue to be great at exploiting his space and a high line, which I think City will play. Oh, yeah. I, I um, think... Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that um, that is going to be the number one threat throughout the game. I think that um, every single time that Manchester City wants to push up a little bit, and you see that they, they, they're going up with the with the forwards and going for the goal, and the the defenders are up in the halfway line. There's none of them are going to be not thinking about Timo Werner who's right. sitting right there. He's constantly going to be at the edge of the line, um, waiting for that killer pass. And I think that that kind of player just gets in the defenders' heads quite a bit. Yeah, he's um, he's pesky. He's just always yeah. he's a nuisance. Yeah, and you can't you know if you have like a, a Giroud in the front there, uh, you know you're, you're worried that they can kick it up to him and he can you know bring it down. And but then now he has to wait for this team to catch up to him and do the yeah. pass. But all all Chelsea has to do is get the ball to Jorginho and he just kicks it behind yes. your line. <laughs> and looking at the ball. yeah, and looking at that that. Center big center back um, center backs of, of, of Man City right they're not they're not slow certainly not slow but um, none of them can keep up with the pace of, of, of Timo Werner or Chris Pulisic yeah. so um, I think that's going to be huge and and I think that if Chelsea has um, a dominant game here where they win by more than one or more, more than one goal I think it's going to be through the the pace of of, of Pulisic, Pulisic and, and, and Werner so, yeah uh, briefly do you want to kind of talk about the coaches, and then kind of give our predictions. Yeah, so um, I think that you know the coaching. The coaching here is very important. I think that mm-hmm. um, Pep Guardiola is, is a legendary coach and um, might arguably be the best coach of all time. And I again, again, this pains me um, as a Liverpool fan and a fan of Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> um, but you know, if I'm not, if since I'm not arguing with a Man City fan right here, I'm gonna be honest about it. It's you know, he is arguably the best coach of right. all time. And um, he began his coaching career at Barcelona, where he won the La Liga title three times on the bounce um, from the 08-09 season until the 10-11 season. Um, and he won the Champions League twice, and they were the only wins of his career in the Champions League. And, um, you know, he also brought a, a, a brilliant and emerging Lionel Messi, and that was how he was able to dominate the Liga and the Champions League for those seasons. Um, and I think, again, that's this is the... The parallel I was talking about with Phil Foden, um, and, I, and I think that's why that we, we can expect to see Foden in, in the Champions League again in his final, starting the game. And then mm-hmm. after Barcelona, he went on to Bayern Munich in Germany, where he again won the title um, three times in, in a row and um, did so from the 13-14 season up until the 15-16 season um, when he moved to uh, Manchester City. And while he's done amazingly in Manchester City. He, he's won the um, English Premier League title um, about uh, four times now. Yeah. Um, he, you can, one can say that he's underperformed a little bit um, because just with the amount of funding <laughs> that City has from um, the Abu Dhabi group of U- United, United Arab Emirates, he's able to kind of sustain a league campaign quite easily. I think right. that... Um, a lot of top coaches could do the same, you know, as he has in, in the league. If, if you have, um, essentially have a second 11 
that could be top four in the league. Mm-hmm. And it gets quite difficult not to, you know, win the league every season. Yeah. Um, and it takes a team having an outstanding, remarkable, amazing season to, you know, beat Man City in the league. Yeah. Um, but then you look at the Champions League, and, and, and that's where Pep tends to struggle a little bit. Um, with Bayern Munich, he, we have the same story of, of, of a team that is funded the best, is is already the best before he arrives. Yeah. Um, he's able to continue this success, which I, it's, it's not easy, obviously, but um, it's a little easier than, than achieving the Champions League and, and winning um, against the other best teams in the world and not just um, the other teams in the league. Yeah. Um, and, and Pep is certainly the kind of coach that um, is, is best in a long season. He is really mm-hmm. good at coaching the players, right? He... he it's not a play a, a coach that just flat out gets players that are already the best in the world. Yeah. Um, he gets players that are very good, and then turns them into world class players. And it's he is very good at Man City. A lot of places you would think, oh, I think this is where Man City and PSG differ. Mm-hmm. Where PSG you go and you know like we're gonna win the cup, we're gonna win the league every year. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of complacency. Maybe when they win the first Champions League it might be a little different, but it's like, if I was gonna sign for PSG, it's like, I know I don't necessarily have to try as hard to play Song at the end away, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But like, Pep and Man City, he's been able to convince all his signings that that they come to Man City and they know that they have to compete for a spot, and they're okay with that. Like, I mean, if you look at Ferran Torres, for example, like. He was phenomenal for Valencia. He's pretty young. He's definitely in his early 20s. And you would think that signing for Man City, he's just not going to get off the bench, and that mm-hmm. it's going to be like a waste of two or three years of his career. But he like knows that it's something that he wants to work under Pep, which says a lot about their coach, and then he wants to work like fight mm-hmm. for a spot exactly against KDB and yeah. Raheem <laughs> Sterling and Phil Foden. And he's been able to get into the team and do well. And it's just one of those things where like I feel like Pep especially at Man City, has done a great job with building that sense of we're never we're never complacent. Like, they mm-hmm. always want to continue to win. Like, mm-hmm. they're never happy with winning the league one year and then, like, we can take the year off. Like, they want to win the league every year. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, you can really see this, too, in, in, in some of, like, the games that they've dominated, right? Like, they're not a team that is going to get 2-0, you know, get, get two goals and then, and then sit back and wait for the game to the end. Right. No, they're a team that if they see that you are weak against them, they will run up the score and beat you six <laughs> 0 Yeah, um, they just they just they don't, they don't stop. But then you look on the other hand, and I think that um, Pep and City's weakness is um, just this lack of sustained success in the Champions League. And um, some can say that it's an inability to coach in high stake one off games. Um, it's a little different to lead a league campaign where. You know, you lose some games, you win, you, and then you win most of them. But you know, over the season, your team quality shines through. Yeah. Um. So even if you're not lose, you're not winning those, you know, dark derby games against like a, a Man United or Liverpool. Sometimes, like, you are winning over the overall in the season, right? But when you're in the Champions League and you're playing against other teams that are as good as you are, um, and can be as good as you could be, right? Um. And, and, and you're playing a one or one or two games where um, just not getting the tactics quite right or your player's mentality not being perfect and um, their wanting of this of this win isn't you know at the same level as the other team um, they, they've tended to struggle um, and you can even point to 
um, this like revolving cycle, the cycle of um, not having players that have won the Champions League and have this um, history with the Champions League and mm-hmm. them not knowing how to perform in the Champions League. Right. Um, there is a lot of additional pressure in the Champions League games, and um, that's just been the hurdle he's not been able to pass so far with Manchester City. And this is this is the the closest he's gotten to that point. And I think that. Um, he and the rest of the veterans of this team don't want that to happen again. Yeah. Um, so I think that we may see some a different city in this final, a, a city that still keeps their killer instinct, the team that um, doesn't fall in the occasion. They, they, they rise to it. And I think that, um, you know, we can expect, uh, you know, Manchester City the way that we see them in the Premier League. And I think that them also playing um, Chelsea, a team that like they have a lot of history with throughout the season, playing in the same league, um, is to their benefit as well. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it can they can just in their heads kind of look at this as just like, I know these players, I know this team, we we've played them, I know how they play. Um, this is not a Real Madrid that has players you don't see every every week. You know, this mm-hmm. is not a, um, you know. Bayern Munich that you know has just perennial winners that have right. won multiple Champions Leagues, um, so I think that this is City's best chance of winning the, of the, winning the Champions League. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. What do you? Yeah, yeah, I I do think that this is City's best chance. I think that Chelsea are no easy team, especially if you consider the last head to heads like Chelsea has came out on top. Um, if Frank Lampard was still the manager, then I think this would be an easy uh, Man City win. But I don't think Chelsea would be in this position. Like Lampard was, is such a legend for the club. Um, I think he got this job a little too early. I mean, what he did with Derby is impressive. Like mm-hmm. the fall off they've had there, they almost got relegated this year in the championship, yeah, yeah. and they were in the playoffs when he was there. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where it's like clearly he was making a difference mm. in his managerial style, but. You know, he, he wanted to to run a four four or four three three and he was struggling to fit in Chelsea's big signings and with you know the coronavirus pandemic, nobody had money but except for Roman Abramovich apparently and Chelsea spent <laughs> big. They brought in Timo Werner, they brought in Kai Havertz, they brought in Hakim Ziek, among others, and it just seemed like Lampard was a players manager for a while, but then started to lose the locker room, which is kind of like his weird his just weird pickings for of players and games. It, it, it just seemed like it, it was just not a good fit. There would be games where they would completely dominate and they would take the best team on the field by far, and then they would just kind of lose to, like, a Brighton or something like yeah. that. And you're just like... It's happening. <laughs> I don't understand, like, how you can go ahead and beat Liverpool or beat Man City and then lose to bottom Premier League table teams. And it just got to the point where they wanted something different and when Thomas Tuchel got fired from PSG which I think was a little harsh but he was the best coach available so it was like the right time to sack Frank Lampard which I think a lot of people saw coming so in the early part of 2021 Thomas Tuchel was hired partially because he does have a very good CV um, but also he's German he speaks German (laughs) and he can get the best out of the two big marquee signings Timo Werner and Kai Havertz I mean being able to kind of like work that language barrier as well. Thomas Tuchel speaks English quite well, so that was not an issue. Like I said earlier, he was there when Pulisic came across 
in Dortmund um, helping Dortmund win the German Cup. Uh, Tuchel's won the DFB Pokal once. He's won the uh, Ligue 1 twice. He's won the French Cup once, the French League Cup once. He shows that he is very good at winning trophies. Now, a lot of people will say, well, it's Ligue 1. PSG should win every year, even though they might not win this year. Still, it's still impressive that he's able to have consistent success. He struggled at PSG in the Champions League. We saw that in their quarterfinal exit two years ago. And last year, obviously, they made it to the final. Mm-hmm. Lost to Bayern uh, in a very tough game. But again, they avenged that loss this year. They had Bayern in the knockout stages, and they completely they dominated them. So I think that Tuchel showed that this team, PSG, was capable. But it was just kind of time for a new scenery. And this is actually a really fun fact. He is the first coach to make back-to-back Champions League finals with different teams. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I, that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's true. Because I, I I thought that it was such a big success with Jurgen Klopp doing that with Liverpool, but it was not two different teams, obviously. Yes. So I think that really shows his managerial ability, his ability to kind of work with different players and different systems, and um, he's really really good at um, calming things down in a team. He's really good at um, kind of forcing the style of play he wants very quickly. Yes. Um, I think that's been the, the, the biggest thing with Chelsea because, you know, you, you see those coaches come in and um, they struggle at first with um, kind of getting their style of play in, especially without a preseason and coming in the middle of the season. Um, but he came in and he changed the formation. He moved players around. He brought players with the squad. He removed some players out of the squad, yeah. obviously. And um, now he, he has the makings of a very, very good team here in Chelsea. And I really, really can see them kicking on next season and being uh, a force, um, you know, a, a, a huge force in the Champions League and the Premier League again, whether or not they win the Champions League this season or even if they don't get in the top four again, um, which <laughs> I mean, we'll it's, get all, there it's all possible. But, but yeah, I, I just think he did a very good job of simplifying tactics. Um, it's this is a bit of a cliche, but just kind of going back to the basics like he has preached defensive fun, uh, funda, uh, fundamentals. So that's the right word I'm looking for. <laughs> And it shows. I, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like Chelsea are probably a little bit more boring to watch now. Uh, I mean, Lampard, you, Chelsea would win 4-3. to three. And those games are fun. It's just not sustainable. Tuchel loves a good 0-0, loves a good 1-0. Mm-hmm. He's very, very defensively astute. Uh, and they, when Lampard left, they were conceding just about 10 shots a game. And within the six or however, five months that Tuchel's been in charge, he's already cut that down by one, which is a big, like, like one less shot a game. And I know that doesn't really seem like that big of a stat, but that clearly shows that there, he has come in and stopped chances from happening. And, like, even when you watch the games, like, they, they give up less, for lack of a better term, they're less XG potential shots. Like, they yeah. give up... Easier shots to save. Yeah, which yeah, you definitely. Goes a long way. Yeah, you really see that. Like, um, the other team is just can't get past those three center backs yeah. and, and, and the two wing backs. You have a, a row of five, and then you have you know Conte, you have Jorginho sitting there, um, and, and whatnot. And now it's like you have eight players in, in the way, and you see a lot of long shots, a lot of really hopeful mm-hmm. shots. Um, and I think this when you go back to the Leicester game. That's that's what happened, really. You know, they yeah. they had almost no chances all game. I think that was their one shot on target. Yep. And 
it was a long range shot because they couldn't get near to the goal. Yeah. Um, and they just got very lucky that they, you know, Tielemans just hit that ball just Perfectly. sweetly. Um, and it went in, and 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 um, I think that with with Mendy and goal too, it just like solidifies that defense even more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw I saw on Twitter that Tielemans actually like before that game they, they knew that um he was gonna, that um Kepa was gonna be in goal. And all his friends were saying, just take long shots all game because this <laughs> Kepa's known to you know not be able to stop those kinds of shots, yeah. and which I think is also one of those like revolving cycles of just um, people just see him as not that good of a goalkeeper, so they just take more long shots against him, so yeah. they're going to go in, and there's going to be more of those highlights where he's you know diving to this ball that he's missing and it's going to the back of the net, and it's just beautiful. But um, yeah, like. The way Chelsea lines up now and sets up the team and, and, and the way Tuchel has um, organized them, it just really makes it difficult for teams to get those high XG shots right in front mm-hmm. of in front of the box and um, right in front of the, the six yard box. And yeah, um, even when they do get closer, there's still a Rudiger, uh, uh, Thiago Silva, uh, um in the way, and, and it to make the blocks. Yeah, to make those blocks. So even if they do get the shots, it's very rare that they're on target. It's very rare that they. Um, Lead to lead to goals, so you you do get a lot of those those one nil score lines, and a win is a win. Hey, right? yeah, <laughs> three points to three points. So, speaking of, you got what's your prediction for the final? So I I've struggled with this. I've 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 thought about this for a good like two weeks now. I've just been turning this over in my oh, head. Oh yeah, I have three. Win. <laughs> so I, I really wrote three. So now three I have predictions. To one. Um. So I think that. So, while I love Thomas Tuchel, I I. I and this Chelsea team is so defensively solid. Um, I think that the pep machine of Manchester City is just too good. I think that um, there's a very big difference when you see City playing against a team that sits back and, and mm-hmm. Liverpool, you know, when they sit back. Unfortunately, sometimes when I see Liverpool doing playing against those kinds of teams, it just looks like a lot of sideways passing around right. the box over and over. This U shape, um, this notorious U shape that um, a lot of soccer tacticians talk about that you really don't want to happen um there's no penetration but the way that um pep coaches his, his team and you see them playing these 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 like minnows that sit back and their players know what runs to make they're they're not just they're not just playing freely right yeah they are very very planned mm-hmm. um it, it's almost like they have plays the way we have like with american football and and basketball and whatnot it's like you know this player has the ball you know where you have to be you know where you have to be in relation to the ball and this player and everyone knows exactly where they have to be to allow for greater penetration and allow right. for um, better runs to be made and you just see them break down these teams time and time and again yeah it's almost like you see them sitting there and it's like not if they're gonna score it's it's when it's gonna be and then when that first goal comes um, the other team kind of has to open up if they want to, you know, come back into the game and get and get a goal back. So, and rather than it helping them get that goal back, it usually allows City to get another one or two past them because now the team is a little bit more open. So I think that this this game is going to end a two 0 victory for uh, Ooh, for Man City. Two. Um, oh, wow. I think that it's going to primarily be from um, goals coming from someone like Phil Foden. Yeah, that's what or, I was thinking too. Um, or uh, Gundogan in, in, in center mid. Um, I could also see Kevin De Bruyne popping up and just having a blinder of a game. <laughs> just an amazing game here. And, and, and so I think I think it's going to be 2-0 two, two to, to Man City. But again, 
anything can happen. Uh, not, not to be that guy, <laughs> right, right, but right, 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 right. You know, anything can happen. You could, you could have Chelsea in this game with a 5-0 victory. Okay, maybe uh, yeah, I don't foresee <laughs> that. I, I think the prediction that I'm going to stick with, this is not a knock on Chelsea, but I think Chelsea are going to play for penalties because I really think Chelsea could beat Man City in a penalty shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't... I just feel like Chelsea, especially recently, have shown they've struggled. They've obviously won this week against Leicester, but lost to them in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. And I, there's just been a little bit of a hesitation, like when they lost to Arsenal, that was just a sloppy game. And they have their moments where they just look like they can't get anything done attack-wise. They struggle to kind of get into the box... They're such a counterattack focused team that whenever you watch Chelsea, when I was watching just highlights the game, without Giroud in the box, who I think will definitely have to be a he needs to come off the bench, either him or Tammy Abraham, but Abraham doesn't really get a look. Yeah. Um, without having that like aerial presence in the box, you look at it's like they get the ball out wide to Timo Werner, he gets the space, but then it's like two late runs, so there's like five defenders in the box and it's like Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic neither of those guys are going to win headers so it's like how do you get a low cross into the box effectively and I just feel like Man City are just so good at cutting those out and blocking those that I think that regarding a a, like a sitter of a mistake from Rodri or something like that Mm -hmm. I I just think that Chelsea are going to have a hard time creating chances and they're defensively sound but I think that both of these teams Play the way to exploit each other's systems, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Man City are weak on the flanks, and I think that Chelsea can be exploited through the middle. Mm-hmm. And both of them are going to want to try to do that yeah. to each other. So I think it's just going to be who capes first. Um, and I just think it'll be Chelsea ultimately. I'm also biased. I want <laughs> to win with Man City. I think, yeah. you know, as much as they're a super club and the finances and things like that it'll be nice to see man city kind of like get over the hump um chelsea have been there none of their players have won the champions league so it'll be a tough ask for them so i think what i'm going to say is a one nil victory to man city okay yeah i uh i can see that as well uh, I, I think that um i think that both both coaches and both teams are going to play just a little bit safer yeah. Because um, you don't want to go to the Champions League final and, you know, have a goal scored on you in the first first couple minutes and immediately the game's changed, immediately um, you're on the back foot, immediately you um, have 80-whatever minutes to score and, and right. come back into the game and it kind of raises the pressure a little bit more. So I think that both teams are going to prefer that nil-nil for as long as possible <laughs> um, just so they still have are within sight of that one goal to win the game kind of yeah. thing. Um, so I, I could definitely see that one nil victory for Man City, or even the the, pen, the penalties with the, with a nil nil or one one. But I none of these teams are my my uh, team I support, so I'm just really hoping for a good game. Yeah, um, I don't want it to be boring. Yeah, I would I would love penalties, um, like a one like a one one kind of penalty Draw. situation, and um, it's super you know high pressure, and you can see all the you know it's like you have a couple shots a goal to to win this for you know for uh, your trophy cabinet. So. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a uh, a fun game regardless, just based off of these two coaches and these two these two teams, and it's gonna be quite the tactical battle. Um, yeah, I think that 
we're not even going to see all the little um, changes they're going to make on the pitch with the formation. It's going to be a lot of, um, you know, little man-on-man -man sort of things. Like, I want you to stick to him if he does this kind of thing. Um, so it's going to be a fun game to watch in a, in a tactical kind of um, analysis way. So Yeah, I, I think I also hope for a really good game. I just want it to be entertaining. All right, so lastly,